And this is the big one. Hashem came down on the mountain, on Sinai, and he called to Moshe, and Moshe climbs the mountain. Hashem says to Moshe, go down, warn the people not to break ranks and move towards God to gaze better upon me. Don't do that. I don't want them to touch the mountain so that they won't perish. Even if only one of them were to be lost in this way, it would be at pains as if many of them had died. I will allow the firstborns who officiate as, as priests, as Kohanim, to, who come near to God to offer up sacrifices to come up the mountain a bit. This was still before the sin of the golden calf when the firstborn sons lost their privilege to be a Kohen. But they should not abuse this distinction. Rather, they must also ready themselves to remain at their stations, lest God cause a breach amongst them by killing those who break ranks and venture too close. Moshe turns to God and says, I do not need to warn anyone. The people cannot ascend the mountain, for you already told them. You warned us. Make a boundary around the mountain and sanctify it. Yet God said, go descend and warn them again. It's important to instruct a person about how they are to behave, both in advance of the moment and again when the actual moment arrives, which is very interesting and a very interesting way of uh, insight about raising kids as well. You warn them before, you're giving them like, okay, this is what's going to happen, and then in the moment. Then you must ascend again to the mountain peak. Aaron will ascend partway with you to his station, which is lower down in the mountain, and the firstborn priests will ascend to their station even lower. But the people must not break ranks to come up to God. Moshe goes down to the mountain and conveys their instruction a second time. At the giving of the Torah, all the Jews converted to Judaism. It's at this moment that they became legally responsible for whatever Torah obligates them to do. The mixed multitude, the people who joined the Jewish people, however, were converted conditionally. They did not receive the full status of Israelites until later, after the incident of the golden calf, as will be discussed. And here we go. Hashem said that these words, the Ten Commandments, from out of the darkness, the fire and the cloud that covered the mountaintop. The people responded to the commandments by saying, yes, we will. And to the negative commandments, they said, no, we will not. Here goes commandment number one. I am your God, you God. What this means is that you are now officially obligated to fill all my commandments. However, your relationship with me is not only contractual, you do not consummate it simply by discharging your legal obligations. For I am the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of Pharaoh who were slaves. By freeing you out of Egyptian slavery, Hashem says, I have made you in effect into my slaves. Your lives are from now to be totally oriented towards divine mission. Not slavery just because I want you to be enslaved, but because I want you to live a life of purpose. You don't have private lives. You're not here for yourself. You're here for something bigger. Commandment number two. You must not possess any idols of other people's deities as long as I exist, which pretty much means forever. And anywhere, because I exist everywhere. These deities are worthless and they're useless and they don't really help anything. You must not make yourself a sculpted image of, or any other type of likewise or anything that is heaven above. On or earth below or in the water lower than the earth, even if you do not intend to worship it. It's a whole different halachic discussion about pictures and about uh, 
sculpturing, etc. But this is the basic thing of not making sculpture for serving, even if they don't intend for worship. And if others make such idols, you must neither bow down to them nor worship them, for I am God, your God, and I'm quite zealous in this regard. For those who hate me and worship idols, I am a God who remembers the sins of the fathers, and then adding the demerits of the descendants into third and fourth generations. This sin specifically causes huge issues. Obviously, Hashem does not um, pile on the sins on the younger generations if they repent. But if they continue the idolatry, then it does. But in contrast, I am a God who shows kindness for at least 2,000 generations, pretty much forever, to the descendants of those who love me and worship me out of love. And for a 1,000 generations of the descendants of those who observe my commandments out of fear of respect and not out of love. In other words, reward is double the reward than fear. Third commandment, you must respect Hashem's name. We're talking about the great name, the Tetragrammaton. You must not swear by this name of God, your God in vain, by using it to swear that something is something that is manifestly not. In other words, I swear that the sky is pink. You must not swear that a tree is a rock, etc. The fourth commandment, remember and observe the Shabbat day continuously, keeping it holy. What does it mean, remember? by anticipating its arrival during the preceding week. For example, if you come across a special food, choose it for Shabbat. Observe the Shabbos means refrain of doing any of the categories of prohibited work. Six days you must labor. That's actually a job as well. You have to actually work and do all your work. But even if you have not finished all your work during the six preceding days, when it comes to Shabbos, Shabbos is dedicated to God, the seventh day. You should behave on Shabbos as if all your work is complete. You must not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. And even though your children at a young age are not technically obligated to observe the commandments, nevertheless, you must educate them from the youngest age. So to your slave, your bondsman, your bondswoman are forbidden to work if they live by you. If Obviously, if they're owned as a slave. We're not talking about a uh, domestic. You may also not make your animal work, the resident alien who is permitted to live within your gates. Although, to be fair, just to clarify, domestics should not be doing openly desecrating Shabbos in the home either. For in six days God made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and all that is within them, and he rested on the seventh day, even though he did not need to rest since he did not become tired, of course, by creating the world. Rather, he rested in order to set an example for you. Hashem therefore blessed the Shabbos day by setting it for the future, that we should rest on Shabbos, and he sanctified it that by saying that no manna would ever fall on Shabbat, and therefore preventing us from pursuing it. Fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, and so that your days will be lengthened in the land that God has given you. And the opposite is if one does not honor parents. The sixth commandment, you must not murder. Commandment number seven, you must not commit adultery which means, practically, extramarital relations with a married woman. The Eighth Commandment, you must not steal people, kidnap. Stealing objects is not the Ten Commandments, according to many commentaries. It's a different one. The Ninth Commandment, you must not bear false witness against your fellow man. Tenth Commandment, you must not desire your fellow man's house, neither their wife, their bondsman, bondswoman, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your 
fellow man, you may not desire it, which practically means you can't do anything to acquire it, and focus on it. Just leave it alone. It's their life, not yours. 